The message that I have today is about the power of the body, all of us right here. And the Lord gave me this message back in October. I was preparing for a leadership um, session, and the Lord began to show me all kinds of really cool things. Well, it was kind of one of those breakout sessions, and I was in a back room, and, and a nice group of ladies came, and it was a great time, but I felt like that wasn't it. I was like, Lord, this message is so amazing, and you showed me so much, and I was like in the back corner, and I felt like the Lord said, this message wasn't just for this time. I'm going to allow you to give this message to the body of Christ in the right time. And so when Pastor Mark asked me, I was like, this is the time, and I'm really excited. So I pray that you'll receive as much and enjoy it as much as I have. So I have uh, some fun facts to start out, but before I do, I'm going to pray so I can get myself already here. So thank you for um, just agreeing with me. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you that we can gather together in your name, in your house, and we can draw closer to you. Thank you for what you're saying today to each of us, how you're transforming our lives. And thank you that we are a family. We are your body, and you have given us everything. Help us to move forward in all that you have for us today and in this new season. And we just pray that you would be glorified and magnified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to say that already... Uh, I love all of you, and I, I don't know every single one of you yet, but I have been so welcomed and so loved, and I have been, have been able to connect with many of you and your children, and I just look forward to the great things to come as a part of this body. So our Creator has made us in His own image. This we know. Sometimes we don't really understand how awesome that is. We, we get caught up in too many other things and don't realize how amazing our God is and what he has created. And so as I was looking at the power of the body, I found some really cool human body facts that reveal the superpowers that God has even put within our own body, our physical body. So there was a list of 51 of them, and I just chose seven because it's a good number. So here are seven of my favorites that I looked up. The first one. Every day, our heart creates enough energy to drive a truck for 20 miles. And in a lifetime, our heart creates enough energy to drive that truck to the moon and back. Our heartbeat changes and mimics the music that we listen to. Which is pretty awesome. This one's crazy. It takes 200 muscles to take one step. It's scientifically proven, and this was an amazing, cool fact to me, that even a small dose of power changes how a person's brain operates by usually diminishing empathy. So even a small dose of power can cause us to care less for other people. What? We better be careful. (laughs) When you recollect a memory, it's not the original memory. It's creative reimagination, which often features holes and completely new parts. So we find this a lot in our marriages, don't we? Because we're talking to people about something that happened, a story from the past, and we'll have this memory and we'll start sharing it, and then our spouse will stop us and say, wait, no, that's not what happened. 
And then they'll share their part. And we're like, wait, what? And don't we do that all the time in our families and in our marriages? Because we all have a different reimagination that took place. And it's the way God created us. We're creative human beings, and our mind works that way. Kind of cool. Your mind forgets information to protect itself from information overload and emotional hangovers, which helps it to think more quickly and assimilate new information easier. So we really do forget stuff, and God created our minds to let stuff go that we really don't need to so we can do the things well that we're supposed to do. That's pretty cool. And lastly, your body makes 180 million red blood cells an hour. We know how fascinating our physical body is. And Jesus compared our physical body to the body of Christ in many ways. So if we take some of those superpower facts and compare them and contrast them with the body of Christ, we can learn a lot about ourselves too. And I believe that as the body of Christ, together, I kind of look at us like a team of superheroes. We are all working together as one, this super force that God's created in the earth. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because if we back off of our assignment that God has given each one of us as part of the body, then the body as a whole is going to get sick. It's going to be injured, going to be hurt, going to suffer. And clearly we know the Bible talks about that. So we all have an assignment and all of us work together to fulfill God's assignment for us in the earth. So what makes the body of Christ unstoppable when we work together, when we move freely together the way God has created us to move? Now, the Lord dropped this into my heart. Pick up the pieces that you can out of it, but here's what the Lord spoke to me. The Father's unique design and mission for us sets us in a place of eloquent victory. The glory of our Heavenly Father is in us. It's imprinted upon our hearts and minds and works all things together through Him. We have been given, wow, God's own Spirit. We have been given so much, and it's for us together to accomplish the great things of God. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would, if you have your Bibles. And some of these scriptures will be on the screen, but not every single one of them. So be ready to turn. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read first verses 12 and 13. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 18 that says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And then verses 26 through 28, jump down a little further, and we read, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. 
So there are different things that we've each been given and assigned and gifted to do. We're going to look at that today. Turn a little further, just over to chapter 14 with me. I'm going to read verses 1 and 3. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And verse 3 says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So to bring prophecy to the body of Christ is to bring strength, encouragement, and comfort. That's what I'm here to do today. That's what each one of us is called to do daily with one another, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. We need each other for that. All right, we're going to jump to another scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. And I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. Hold on. These pages are sticking together. All right. And Jesus said again, excuse me, verse 18, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So, let's talk about teamwork, two or more together in his name. All of us are called to work towards a common goal, achieving something that cannot be achieved by ourselves. It's the combined action of a group of us, especially when we're effective and efficient. That's teamwork, right? And teamwork in the body of Christ is powerful. In fact, it involves something called synergy, And synergy is the creation of a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts. And it serves only to add, never subtract. It is cooperative action of two or more. And the Greek word, synergos, means companions in labor, helpers with God. That's who we are, the body of Christ. We are companions in labor, helpers with God. It's powerful. So we are the synergos, and our purpose, our design at the beginning of creation was to be helpers with God, to walk and talk with him and have relationship with him. And then something happened, which we'll get to in a minute. But I want to look at the word baptism, meaning put into, because we've been baptized into the body of Christ. And our creator God who we've been made in his image, caused us to really enjoy putting ourselves into. Like him, we are creators. And we've been given so much that we get to engage in. We've been given so many gifts. Um, I think sometimes we, we sell ourselves short. We don't understand how valuable we are or what God's really given us. And together, when all of those gifts come together, because we each have unique giftings in the spirit and in the physical and in, you know, every part of us, we can accomplish so much together. So as his people, he's given us his mind. He's given us his spirit. We've been put into, baptized into his spirit. And 
We've been baptized, put into his body, and he's the head. And so each one of us as a member of his body, we're like an organ. We're, we're a part, right? We have a function. And all of these parts work together to perform specific jobs, kind of like our cells have specific jobs in the body, right? We are these, these specific parts of the body. We all have unique giftings. And I kind of felt like the Lord was showing me that it's kind of like the hormones in our body, that they do everything, right? Well, the spiritual gifts, the giftings that God has given us, work in the body of Christ kind of the same way, to keep everything regulated and healthy and functioning. And sometimes we don't really get that. But there's somebody who does get it, and he's the enemy, and his name is Satan. And he understands a lot of times more than we do how God wants to do things and how God's created us even. And we miss out when we don't really understand who we are as a body of Christ. So let's look at the garden story. In the beginning, God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he gave them free will. Right? He gave us free will. And when he put them in the garden, he set before them life and death. And life and death were physical trees in the garden that they were surrounded by. Trees. And one tree, we know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was the one that they were told not to eat from it, not to touch it, or they would surely die. And he gave them the tree of life, which would cause them to live forever as they ate of it. And God wills us to choose life. He wants us to be forever with him. He's done everything for that to happen. And so being on his team is life. Once you turn back in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy, chapter 30, where God says to us, Verses 19 and 20, he says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God wills us to choose life. He's the Lord of our life. And when he created that beautiful, perfect, powerful couple, that team, his body, he was the head in the garden, man and woman, he enjoyed a perfect relationship with them. And... When we look at scriptures, we don't really know at what point Satan fell from heaven, right? We don't know if it was before creation or after creation, but we know that he was looking to divide and conquer, and he was watching the man and the woman. And God was aware of what was going to happen. He knew it before he created us, right? He chose us, he chose us knowing we would fall. So Satan is watching, creating this path of this trap of deceit. And he discovered, watching Adam and Eve, that the woman was the way in. 
And so the woman, man's helpmate, the perfect and suitable helper for man, came from his side, is the divinely created masterpiece for the man. But she was the way that the enemy found in. And so he's watching all of us closely, right? Even now. But we know in the creation story that Eve was drawn to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She was curious. She wondered about it. Maybe she was just wanting to get closer to see what it was all about. She was intrigued. She kept thinking to herself, what is the knowledge of good and evil? What is that? But for sure, whatever it was, before she arrived at the tree, her wondering, which was innocent, had gotten the best of her. And without delay, we know that the enemy reached for her. And he lied. And Genesis 3.1 tells us the little discourse that happens when he says to her, let's see. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Eve corrected the serpent because he was wrong, and she knew the truth after all, didn't she? She says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will surely die. And so, we see how she was so happy and probably very proud to be able to correct. It was good. She knew the truth. She had knowledge. She understood what was right. And we all like to be able to correct things and right the wrongs and share our truth. But the serpent goes in again. He's like, she knows the truth. And he goes in again with another lie and a half-truth, right? When he says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so Eve was pulled in closer, like, hmm. And she saw and she desired something outside of the will of God. And unbelief began to set in. And she had her eyes on something forbidden. And she no longer believed, all of a sudden, she no longer believed God's word. It was the serpent against God, and she chose to believe the liar. And the scripture is clear about three things that led to her disobedience. Verses 6 and 7 say, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So she saw that it was good for food. It was beneficial to her. Selfishness began to take root. 
She saw something good and believed she needed it. It was pleasing to the eye. It looks good. It feels right. She was deceived. She was fully deceived. How could something that's so beautiful, perfect, and good be wrong? And she desired to gain wisdom. She wanted more, greater power. She was dissatisfied all of a sudden. Dissatisfaction formed on the inside of her. And she believed that God was withholding something from her. Have we all been there? In those three places, just like Eve? We've all been there. And I noticed as I studied these scriptures that my own personal view and struggle many times is to view the man that way. He's selfish and deceived and dissatisfied. Really? But my own flesh finds itself corrupted just like Eve. She was the one talking to the serpent. And I have to take ownership of what I believe and what I think and what I'm doing. And whenever we believe a lie, we are putting ourselves in place of God. Ourself. And clearly, before Eve ate the fruit, she already allowed unbelief, selfishness, deception, and dissatisfaction to fill her mind and her senses. Then she gave in to disobedience. And she didn't do it alone. She gave the fruit to her other side, the one standing right there next to her. And he was quiet, wasn't he? Did Adam say anything? The Bible doesn't say he did. He was an innocent, silent onlooker. And, and then the fruit was in his hand and she took it. And she was okay. So he took a bite. And we must recognize women in this house how powerful we are. God has given us a unique power. Most of us get it, but sometimes we don't use it right. And so we have to understand how in the body, the, the power that God has given us has effect on everyone, on the men, on the children, on the youth. We have effect on our community. But we also need to recognize the importance of the man and how important it is for him to stand strong and be at the center of everything, leading not following, leading. So sin entered the world through disobedient mankind, and through sin came death, separation from God. They were cut off. They saw something was different. Their spirits were disconnected. Their eyes were opened. But Jesus, our Redeemer, he came and he made all things new. So we, each one of us, can live out the garden experience again. And Jesus has made that possible. He is our head. We are his body, and he's connected us back together. Here we are in this place because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ. And God desires that through his blood and through his perfect work that each and every one of us as his body would bring others back into the garden, back to the tree of life. And so that's our job. That's our purpose. And if we look around us in our own families and in our, in our neighborhoods, we see that there's a lot of people who are feasting at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
they feel like they've arrived in some ways, like they've got the answers, but yet there's confusion and void and emptiness because they're lost. Because they can see, but they don't know the truth, and they're not really living. And so our job is to trust God's plan, to operate together in our gifts. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes instead of praying and believing together and in our families, we talk too much and we worry more and we're not a a true example to others of what God has called us to be. And instead of leaning into the body and leaning into the head, Jesus Christ, we separate ourselves. And so... We've been called to bring about God's plan in the earth today together because he doesn't want just us in this room to be with him forever. He desires that none would perish. And we all have our own unique stories of how we came to Christ. And there's so many others who just don't know him yet. And Portview is a church of people who care. I've experienced it. I'm a part of it. And I truly believe that as we move together And continue to reach out with our love, with the heart and the gift that God has given us that will bring others to him, that will change this community in a greater way. But we have to evaluate ourselves. Each one of us in the body has a responsibility to check ourselves, examine ourselves, to discover if we're really functioning the way God's created us to be. And it's not about performance. It's about flowing in the order that God has created us to operate in. Because if we don't, if we're unhealthy, if we're unchecked, if we're not doing what God has gifted and called us and positioned us to do, then the body's going to be sick, diseased, broken, and we'll have little impact on our community. So we've got to come together. We've got to look at ourselves and say, what's my job? What's my part? And then get in there and move together. So what must we do to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit with synergy, being fruitful so we can bring increase and impact? I've talked about a lot of different things, and I'm going to try to piece it all together. So first we have to recognize how the enemy works. Again, if we look back to that garden experience, and his whole design is to cut us off from the body, from the head, right? And so... When I look at myself, it begins with me, I have to remember that, that the baptism for me is that symbol of death and resurrection. I die to self and live anew in Christ and connect myself to the body and to the head. I have to do that. I have to engage myself. Because God wills that we have abundance. And he says to do that, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me, each one of us together, right? And so what are we as his body allowing to come to pass in our own personal lives? We've got to look at our personal lives. We've got to look at what we're believing about ourselves, maybe what we're believing about other people. We have to check ourselves and consider, do we have unbelief regarding the word of God? And we've got to check ourselves and make sure we're not judging our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we also need to understand that judgment involves unbelief because it's based in selfish pride. 
And we've all been there. We all struggle with that at one point or another. We've got to keep checking ourselves and keep coming back, right? So let's look at unbelief for a minute because the enemy uses unbelief. And it's where disobedience, selfishness, um, where, that, where those two things come together, unbelief is, that's where Eve fell, right, in the garden. That's where she didn't believe God's word. And unbelief stems from selfishness. It's rooted in pride that says, I'm better, I know better, I deserve better, I want more, I'm missing out on something. But God says that it's not about me, it's about us as a whole, right? Coming together, uniting as one in him. We're not meant to be alone. We need each other. There's a guy named, I don't know how long ago he lived, but I know he's written some amazing things. His name's Horatius Bonar, and he said, In all unbelief, there are two things, a good opinion of oneself and a bad opinion of God. He also said, All unbelief is the belief of a lie. We see that in the garden. We see that in our own lives. A guy named Alexander McLaren said, Unbelief is criminal because it is a moral act, an act of the whole nature. Belief or unbelief is a test of a man's whole spiritual condition because it is the whole being, affections, will, conscience, as well as the understanding that are concerned in it. We don't understand how powerful unbelief is, but that's how the enemy comes in to break us off. Now, I have some really cool stuff from C.S. Lewis. Anybody here love C.S. Lewis? His writings are amazing. And you have to just pray for understanding a lot of times if you read many of his writings because they're so deep. But I love it. And I found some really cool stuff that he wrote about the body of Christ in um, a collection called The Business of Heaven. And so he said, and I agree, The society into which the Christian is called at baptism is not a collective, but a body. It is, in fact, that body of which the family is an image on the natural level. If anyone came to it with the misconception that membership of the church was membership in a debased modern sense, a massing together of persons as if they were pennies or counters, he would be corrected at the threshold by the discovery that the head of this body is so unlike the inferior members that they share no predicate with him, save by analogy. Then he said, We are summoned from the outset to combine as creatures with our creator, as mortals with immortal, as redeemed sinners with sinless redeemer. His presence, the interaction between him and us, must always be the overwhelmingly dominant factor in the life we are to lead within the body. And any conception of Christian fellowship, which does not mean primarily fellowship with him, is out of court. And then he said two more powerful things connected with this. He said, the sacrifice of selfish privacy, which is daily demanded of us, is daily repaid a hundredfold in the true growth of personality which the life of the body encourages. 
there's so much that God has for us together. And lastly, he said, those who are members of one another become as diverse as the hand and the ear. Obedience is the road to freedom. Humility, the road to pleasure. Unity, the road to personality in the body. So we have been given this beautiful picture of the body, and we have been given freedom to walk in, humility to walk in together. And it's when we do, it's powerful. Changes lives. So before the foundation of the world, God chose us, each one of us. And his power cannot be measured, but it's in us. And we haven't grasped yet what God really is, who he is. We can't really fully grasp, right? There's no way our mind can't contain him. But he wills us to be with him and walk in step with him by his spirit and deposit his personality, the personality of heaven, He's deposited in us together. That's why it's so amazing when we come together because we all have just a different, unique facet of God and who he is comes alive when we connect together and when we get to know each other too. So when we connect and operate in him together, we're unstoppable. It's truly the meaning of indivisible, right? And again, if I come back to looking at us as women, we are connectors. And some of us would say that, yeah, I'm a relationship expert. I'm pretty good at this relationship thing. Some of us are still working in areas where, like, I want to be a relationship expert. But we know how to make people feel like they belong. And we strive to find ways to fix things, right, and, and help others. And we connect and we meet needs and create pleasing atmospheres and environments. And we inspire and reach further and multiply. And so our connection as women in the body is so powerful and purposeful. And we have to link arms. We have to see the value in each other as women because when we do, there's, there aren't words to express what God can and will do. Not only that, but again, as you look back at the garden experience, we can see how powerful Eve's um, influence was on her husband. Like, we've been gifted, right? And we've got to use that for God's glory. Out of obedience to him, we'll see great things happen in our families. And if we look back at the early church in Acts chapter 2, we, we kind of see this whole thing um, played out. Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, when the church has devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so that's what God has called us to be as his body, just like the early church. And we know this wasn't just a bunch of men getting together because there was food and there was connection and atmosphere and needs were being met. And men do those things too, don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of men in the church that cook. And not every woman is a good cook either. But when we come together, men and women in the body of Christ, we have so much that power and we're going to change. We're going to change the community around us every day. People were added to their number. They had all things in common. So there are seven things that I got out of the message, the teaching from, from Genesis, that I believe pull us away from God's plan for his body. Number one is when we spend time apart from the body. Now, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to have family times and different things are going to happen. But when we spend time apart from the body, we begin to shrivel because there's no life outside the body. Think physically. Think your physical body. There's no life apart from him. And we, when we come together in him, he is with us. He's with us when we're apart because we are all one. And every organ, every part that is separated from the body will die. Number two, when we don't operate in spiritual gifts or aren't being obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, then the balance gets off in the whole body. Just like hormonal imbalance in the physical. So that's when sickness can come in, fatigue, depression. So each of us is called to look out for the other, right? And we know that it's as simple as an encouraging word. Back to prophecy, encouraging, strengthening, and comfort. That's simple. If you have the gift of hospitality, have people in your home. Not just the same people. Have your neighbors over. Invite different people that you don't know yet. If teaching, find a place where you can use your teaching gift. If faith, pray for people and agree with them about God's plan. If healing, go lay hands on the sick. There's sick people all around us. Let's use our gifts. We don't have to look very far. There's so many ways that God's gifted us. And it's not about searching. We don't have to strive. It's just about listening and obeying. It's simple. Our body doesn't strive to do what it's supposed to do. If we're healthy, it does it. It works because the body's attached to the head, right? <laughs> Good thing. Number three, when we spend time in forbidden places, we're going to be pulled away from the body. That could be unforgiveness. There was a word this morning from the Lord about unforgiveness. That's a forbidden place that will cut you off from the life of the body. There could be movies that hinder your life. Maybe you're sucked into different things in media and you're watching all kinds of crazy stuff that's sucking the life out of you. Let it go. Could be books. Maybe there's some stuff you're reading that's taking life away from you. Relationships that are tearing you down that you need to reevaluate or your past that you haven't allowed the Lord to heal your heart of. Or pornography. We know it's in the church. God wants to set our men and women free, our young people free. Maybe it's jealousy or judgment, whatever it is. We have to get away from those forbidden places and allow the Lord to heal our hearts. 
Number four, when we listen to and entertain the lies of the enemy, we will be pulled away and cut off from the body. The enemy uses lies, number one, and offense is tied to that, offense. Because when we get offended, it's usually a trigger point. Something's happened in our life, right? Pride rises up. We're offended. And the enemy will use that offense. If you don't get rid of it, the enemy will use that and begin to lie to you about yourself or somebody else and try to cut you off from the body of Christ. When we long for something outside of the will of God and go towards it with great desire, that could be anything. It could be money. It could be a job. It could be There's just a whole long list of things that we might long for outside of the will of God that will cut us off from the body. We won't be effective. We go there. Number six, when we believe that God is withholding something, we believe that God's withholding something, we're going to separate ourselves from the body of Christ. We'll put ourselves in a place of immeasurable pride that will keep us from being effective. Number seven, when we focus on ourself and don't trust the Lord, with our whole heart. Selfishness gets us every time. We just think about our own struggles. But God wants us to bring those to the body and say, I'm sick. I'm hurting. It's okay. You are called to bring your needs to the body of Christ. That's what we need is for the sick one to say, I'm sick. For the hurt one to say, please pray for me. I need healing. If we don't do that, then we know, again, the whole body is going to suffer. If somebody tries to hide their sickness and not deal with it, their, their struggle, whatever it is. So that's not what I'm talking about. Selfishness just means focused on what you want over what God's calling you to, right? All right. On the reverse, the positive is seven ways to stay connected, and these all intertwine with the others. Seven ways to stay connected and activated as a member of the body. Number one, stay in regular fellowship. First, in your relationship, of course, with the Holy Spirit, through the word and prayer. Get in here on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, and connect and engage and use your gifts and get to know somebody you don't know. Participate in a small group if you're not connected to a group. Find out where they're meeting and when. And get engaged with the body. Do life together. Number two, discover your spiritual gifts. Now, you might take a gift assessment. Some people don't value that so much. But it's kind of just fun to take assessments sometimes. I love learning about myself. Whoa, that's crazy. That's kind of cool. And assess your gifts. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. Search the word. Ask people around you. Maybe they see something in you that you didn't realize was there. What energizes you? What gives you life? That is a gift of God that he's called you to use. Invest in God's kingdom. These are all about investing in God's kingdom, of course, because when we're connected to the body, we will. God calls us to holiness, and that comes out of walking with him and investing in others. It's, a, it's about the tree of life where health and wellness are, where spiritual growth is, where connectedness to the head is. And our family and our closest relationships will be affected. When we're investing, we're giving. And we know that strength comes 
when we come together and we give to one another. It's a chain reaction that always takes place because God said when you give, you will receive. And so, again, the flow of those gifts that God's given us, it's not a, a striving or a, or a working. It's, it's about freedom. It's about um, a natural flow of listening and obeying. Get rid of all offense. Walk in forgiveness daily. Because offense, again, is a powerful tool of the enemy. I believe it's the number one tool the enemy uses in every relationship to cut people off and break people away. And so we've got to recognize that as soon as we feel, God gave us emotions for a reason, as soon as we feel offended, we have to acknowledge it and we have to recognize where it came from sometimes we have to just ask god to show us maybe why am i so offended what in the world and then we have to throw it off throw it off don't let it go in and sometimes the most important thing we can do is just to pray for the person that spoke to us in a way that was hurtful or offensive because when we do that god will not only touch our heart but he will transform that person as well and so we have to let go of offense. We, we had um, kind of a funny thing happen years ago when we were children's pastors in Texas. In fact, it was our first month in ministry there, so we hardly knew anybody. And we were doing a series called 40 Days of Purpose. And we had special skits and all these different interactive things that we were doing that was part of the curriculum. And I don't know how blue hair dye came into the picture, but it did on that Sunday. Again, we were going back and forth talking about the story, and there were holes and reimaginations. But whatever the case is, we had blue hair dye that was part of the skit, and we were supposed to get, we were younger then, we were supposed to get somebody to willingly get their hair dyed blue. I don't know what we were thinking, but... I'll say it's his fault. I went along with it. But we we called up a boy and a girl who were willing volunteer participants. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to get my hair dyed blue. And one of of the girls was 12. It was her birthday that day. And we're like, oh, yeah, this is so fun and special. And she wants to get her hair dyed blue. And how many years ago was this? This was 12 years ago. We weren't that young. So... She came up, the whole little skit ensued, and she got blue hair dye. It's the semi-permanent stuff. It doesn't last forever. Well, all was well, we thought, until the end of service when most everyone had gone home, I think. That might be a hole. I don't remember. We got called out by this young lady's dad, and he was furious. Wow, and and his daughter was crying at that point. So evidently, I don't know what happened, but she freaked out. And she all of a sudden realized, my hair is blue. What was I thinking? Why would these grown-ups do this to me? And her dad was not happy with these grown-ups. And so he was yelling, and he was so mad. And I don't even know if we had even met him yet until that moment, because we were so brand new. And I just was so embarrassed and and just ashamed, and I just felt so sad and hurt, and I'm just like crying. I couldn't hold the tears back and just saying sorry over and over and over again. And and he's saying, 
would you let me dye your baby's hair blue? And I'm like, I don't know. What does that have to do with this? So I was hurt, clearly. I had messed up. We had made a stupid decision. And I was really hurt. This guy was mean. There, it didn't matter how many times I said sorry and will you forgive me. Like, he was so angry. It just didn't feel like it it just didn't feel like it mattered that I said sorry because <laughs> we couldn't get rid of the blue in that instant either. So I just had to work through that. Of course, my heart was hurt. It was offended. I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, this dad's going to hate me. What's going to happen with this young lady? Well, you know what? I just I let it go. I prayed through. We continued to show kindness to the family and to his daughter and she stayed connected in our ministry through high school and college and babysat our kids, and her hair wasn't blue forever. And, and, and it was okay. And I was able to love this dad, even though his approach was so ugly and so harsh, and I just felt like, how could anybody be so mean? Yeah, we made a mistake. But we all do that, right? We don't just make mistakes, but we have those moments when, like the dad, we don't always say things and do things the right way. It can go both ways. And so... We just got to stay free and allow God to continue to work in those relationships. So number five is recognize what the perfect, pleasing will of the Father is and walk in it daily. And don't dye children's hair blue because that is not the perfect and pleasing will of the Father. We won't do that to any of your children, by the way. We've learned. So don't allow excuses into your life. Go after God. Bring your friends, your family with you. Continue to, to ask yourself, what is God calling me to do? What has he equipped me for? And who are you praying for? Because when you pray, you will make a change in the atmosphere, in the relationships. We know that the harvest is plentiful. Believe God at his word. God is faithful and true. He is the lover of our soul. And he will never withhold any good thing from us. Never. So we can reach further and be greater within the perfect plan in the body of Christ when we come to each other with our needs, when we minister to each other, when we operate as one and do the exploits in his name that he's called us to do. He's glorified and the Holy Spirit is magnified and his love is evident when we do this thing called life together. Number seven is connect with the Father, connect with your family, connect, connect, connect to the body. There's nothing greater than us connecting. And again, that comes back to giving and receiving. Give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. So we need to pray together. We need to believe together. We need to encourage one another Stir up the gifts in each other because you just might stir up the gift in somebody else. When we were at our first church in, in Michigan, uh, it was a church plant, and um, we were asked to lead the message together. I had never um, ministered to adults before that time, and this was before we even had Hannah. And I didn't know what my giftings were. And when... Wes and I shared the message that day. I flowed in that gift, and I loved every moment of bringing the word of God. And every single person, it was a small church, it was a church plant, every single person spoke to me. 
And I didn't know that it was my gift until people began to speak to me and say, you are gifted to do this. This is a gift of God in you. And I'm like, really? And it was like my eyes opened up to say, I didn't know I had that gift. And so sometimes we just got to get in there and we got to do something different. And then as the people of God, we've got to speak to each other and encourage those gifts in one another because it's going to ignite something that you might not have known was there. So I'm just going to end this with a couple of questions and then let's pray. So just imagine um, how we can change our community if each and every one of us in our families and in this body were living out the call of God, we're operating in our gifts, um, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, we're engaged, we're moving forward, we should be the ones that the world is looking to. We should be the healthiest, the smartest. We should be full of abundance in life, and people should come knocking at our door. I see something that I want, right? That's what God's called us to do together. So let's just take this time to, to pray. And I just encourage you to, this week, um, really seek the Lord about what your giftings are. You might know some of them. You might not have even tapped into half of what God has called you to do, not just in the church, but outside the walls, because God hasn't called us just to meet together and minister to each other. Again, he's called us to affect change in our world, in our community, in our family. So I just challenge you to seek the Lord this week on what your gifts are, what you are already doing in the church, and maybe God's called you to step up. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a while, like, oh, I kind of want to do that, but I don't know if I can commit, or I don't know if I'm good at that. Well, step in and find out. And I encourage each one of you to encourage somebody else this week in their gift. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for how you're revealing yourself to us as your body. You have given us everything, and we've barely begun to tap into who you are and what you're doing in the earth today. And we want to move forward in boldness and strength and confidence and health and your wisdom and in your life by the power of your spirit, Lord. It, within these walls, with one another, and outside, doing life together and, and reaching our community and our families for you. Thank you for confidence. Thank you for ears to hear what you're saying to each one of us. And I pray over your people today, over every man, woman, youth, and child in this house, Lord, in this body specifically, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be stirred up, that we would be challenged to... Speak in a new way. Encourage somebody else. Get to know somebody else. Ask them questions and, and connect because you've called us to. And we thank you that you are the life, that you will us to choose life. You've given us your life, and there's nothing we lack. We lack no good thing. Thank you that you don't withhold anything from us. We praise you for that, Lord. We praise you today. And I just thank you for touching everyone in this room, everyone in this house, Lord, for connecting us together more closely, that we would be linked together, that we would be able to let go of offense and judgment and the sin that so easily entangles. We thank you that by your precious blood and the power of the Holy Spirit, 
we can be completely free as your people. And people can come knocking at our door. We just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we do have the answers because you're the answer. And thank you for helping us to be there for one another and and to set that in our hearts as our number one priority is to make connections with you and with each other. Thank you, Lord, for how you move in us and for how you love us. We praise you, Lord.